Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. edition of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneider and Chris Nolaski. Uh, guys, it's the week off last week. I was in Europe, but I am back. And I got back just in time on Saturday to watch the Rutgers-Ohio State game, which at the beginning, uh, that was pretty exciting. We scored the opening touchdown. We went up 7-0. That was a pretty cool social media moment for Rutgers. Everybody was posting... A lot of memes about stopping the count at seven to zero. A bunch of big time uh, college football accounts were talking about it, so that was cool for the moment. But uh, we ended up losing what forty nine to ten, something along those lines. Yeah, something like that. Yep. So it ended up it ended up being a, about what we expected, just not how we expected to get there. Um, before we get too deep into how the game went, this podcast is brought to you by. Bet online. Uh, football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued sur- source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Uh, always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MMA, NBA, MLB, tennis, boxing, and even golf. You'd head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Now it's 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It used to be 50. Uh, so make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online with game starts. I had another heartbreaker last night in terms I of uh, same game parlays. Yikes. Um, I had one a few weeks ago where uh, it was like a seven or six, six to eight leg parlay. I don't remember. I kind of pressed it and suppressed it deep down into my subconscious where uh, the one leg I missed on was A.J. Brown going over 70 yards receiving, and he had 69. Nice. Last night, I won up myself. I had a seven-leg parlay that uh, was going to pay $3,300 on a $25 bet. Um, the only leg I didn't hit was Patrick Mahomes over 250 yards passing. Uh, does anyone want to guess how many passing yards he had last night? I saw your Twitter. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Yeah. 249. So, yeah, oh I missed goodness. by one yard passing. I hit oh. all the other legs. Oh, so, yeah, man. my therapy session is this afternoon with my doctor. We'll be going over this uh, pretty deeply. Um, but, yeah, that's, enough that's about my problems. Yeah, let's talk about Rutgers, Ohio State. Um, Hold up, so we went real to the quick. Sh- go we, got one more, we got one more ad you forgot about. That's right, we do. It's, it's rainy. It's Monday morning. You don't want to go to work. You kind of just hate hate your life a little bit. Change it up. Why not? Be, why not be different? Make start your own business. Fuck being working for the man and shit like that. Um, so anyway, going on from that, Adam Goldman's a, a franchise uh, veteran. He's been uh, he's called the franchise coach. Franchisecoach.net. He basically is uh, there to help you change your entire career, change your life up a little bit, run your own business, run your own Dunkin', run your own McDonald's, run your own sports betting service. Then you can help out Mike and make him a little bit money. Maybe tell Please, him about the under once in a while. <laughs> um, Overs Club isn't working. Adam's a Watchung Hills high school guy. 
Um, New Jersey guy, uh, Night Report member, Scarlet Knight fan, franchise veteran for over a decade. He's been doing this forever. The man knows what he's doing at this point. Uh, hit him up if you want to change your career. It's a free consultation process. It's uh, 844-800-3726, or like I said before, the franchisecoach.net. You own your own business today. That was good. That was a great one. That was a good one. Oh, that, that was uh, pretty good. Not going to lie. pretty good one. I'm getting better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's talk Saturday. Um, Rutgers lost 49-10 to 10 at the shoe um, uh, against Ohio State. Depending on when you actually bet this game, you either uh, Rutgers either um, won against the spread or they lost. I think it, it mm-hmm. was – I think it opened at, like, 42-and-a-half, and it got down to, like, 38-and-a-half, and Rutgers lost by 39. Um but let's just talk about high level how we all thought this game went. Um, obviously, pretty wide disparity between where Rutgers is and where Ohio State is from a lot of levels, mm-hmm. recruiting, coaching, NIL money. But how do you think Rutgers fared against Ohio State on Saturday? Um, yeah, I guess I'll go first. It's It was it was rough. I mean, they, they got that quick touchdown. Everyone got a little excited. And then it just uh, it was all downhill from there for the most part. The offensive line is nowhere near where it it needs to be to even compete against Ohio State. It struggled against some like lower level FBS teams in Boston College and Temple as well. So that unit's got to step up. The running game, it was better, but that's only because Sam Brown is probably the lead back of the group now. Even though he's not starting, he probably won't start even this week, if I had to guess. But he's he's got to be the lead guy from here on out. Uh, receiver core refuses to get open for some reason. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense whether it's a scheme issue or uh, footwork or route running. It's there, there's so many problems with the offense. You could just I asked Shiano about it today, and it's just there's there's no specific answer towards it. There's so many issues whether it's play calling, schemes, etc. Talent gap even um, yeah. huge talent gap between the two teams, like you mentioned, and that, that's not going away anytime soon. And then uh, nil nil. It's just it's a completely different world over there uh, in terms of nil in terms of transfer portal. Um, it, there, there is a big gap still, and I think that's that was pretty uh, well known after Friday's or Saturday's game. Yeah, I mean, there's not much really to talk about in this one. I mean, everyone knew that Ohio State was gonna was gonna kind of you know win win easily against Rutgers. Um, you know, both sides had a lot of injuries, um, especially Rutgers and the, and the secondary. Um, but even if all those guys started, I don't think it obviously wouldn't have mattered. I mean, the Ohio State receivers just like they're everyone's so fast and quick, and they're open by by a mile. Um, they, you know, the defense did get a couple hits on C.J. Stroud, but um, overall, you know, the offense or the, or the defense got got picked apart there. Um, you know, like like Rich mentioned, it was it was fun early after the after the muff punt, and you know, Rutgers got good field field position and scored. Um, I think I think uh, that was Rutgers' first ever lead against Ohio State. So I mean, uh, I know yeah. I know I, I know Mike, you know, mentioned all those all the all the Twitter posts and everything like that. So you know, Rutgers was able to have fun for a while. Uh, but obviously, the team itself didn't go there just to score and touchdown early. Obviously, they went there to win. Um, obviously, you know that didn't happen. Nobody thought that was going to happen. But um, it seems it seems like nobody really got you know extra hurt in the game. So I, I'm pretty sure. So everything everyone should be okay uh, coming up against Nebraska. But uh, yeah, and then also I had I had some I had some fireworks at the end in the fourth quarter when Aaron Cruikshank hit the punter. <laughs> And uh, you know, Shiano came. You said Hunter got hurt. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, Shiano came sprinting across the field, started yelling at Ryan Day and all that. You know, taking care of his players there, uh, which I loved. I, honestly, I I love that. I like 
I don't. I mean, I love the Crookshank hit. I mean, if the punter wants to go for it, it's fair game. Smack him. I don't care. And uh, you know, Shiano, Shiano obviously yelled at him. They all said, you know, they were friends after the game. Everything was fine. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but before we go any further, Mike, I need your impersonation of Shiano running across that field. What the hell did he say? You're a good <laughs> lip reader. I know you got it. So I am, I am not a lip reading expert, but he he was definitely looking like he was putting the the Maloika on somebody uh, on the Ohio State uh, coaching staff. I also think that Shiano would just tear Ryan Day's head off if he got if he got the chance. And I don't. Oh yeah. I think Shiano would probably be like a minus one thousand favorite in a an actual fight <laughs> with Ryan Day. So I don't think Ryan Day actually wanted any of that smoke. But uh, I don't. I think he had a lot of four letter words uh, for Ryan Day, especially because he was. It looked like he was yelling at uh, Aaron Crookshank with the entire Ohio State sideline around him. So I get why Shiano was not happy with that situation. Yeah. I, I think Ohio State kind of made it a lot more hostile than it had to be. I also don't think Crookshank should have been thrown out for that hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah I thought yeah. that was one of the many uh, referee. Not that we would have won the game had the referees been fair, but the refs on Saturday were just horrible, um, calling basically everything against Rutgers that they could possibly find, ticky-tack, little bullshit uh, penalties, and not really calling any penalties on Ohio State as blatant holds that we saw um, yep, a couple I times. Saw a bunch of holds, yep. um, I did want to talk I did want to talk about how it seems like they're digging into their trick, uh, their bag of trick plays a little bit the last few games. Like We saw that attempted trickery on the kickoff where I think um, – Josh Youngblood was laying down in the end zone uh, against Iowa last or two weeks ago, and then this week we had the the onside kick early in the game, right after the first touchdown. Mm-hmm. We had that uh, that Philly special looking play to Johnny Langan that got like four yards. Yeah. Um, but we've seen some of the trick plays come out. Is do you guys think there's more of this playbook that's going to be exposed over time, or is that just like a thing that they throw, drew up for this week specifically? Um, I'd say it's probably for this week specifically because it's it's no secret over the years playing Ohio State they've been getting really tricky in terms of what there was an 11, 11 lateral play at one point. Um, yep. they, they just try to do anything they can in terms of score against Ohio State. It's it's only to uh, overmatch the talent gap like we mentioned before. Um, and I think the same thing with Iowa. Like it's it's more of like on those kickoffs. Like it's like hey if they, if they can't see him in the end zone. Like you know what just chuck it back to Youngblood. Let him go up the sideline instead. For the most part, I think you might see stuff like that, like kick return stuff and special teams trickery, but for, uh, I don't think you'll see a whole lot of it going forward. Um, unless there's, again, unless there's a big gap and like maybe like a Michigan game, like who's been pretty good this year. Maybe you try to pull a surprise on them once in a while, but I don't, I don't think you're going to see it more than maybe once, once a game, if that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you saw, I, mean um, I knew, I knew Rutgers was going to open the playbook more in uh, turn when, once Big Ten play started. Um, they were very vanilla against Temple, and you know Shiano even alluded to it, you know, before the you know before the Iowa game that they wanted to pass more, and we saw that against Iowa. And um, I, I I personally also I, I personally you know kind of kind of kind of disagree and say that you know these type of plays will will be a part of every every week's game plan. Um, I think that Rutgers knows it doesn't have you know the ultra talent I guess to match up with all these teams. So, but I think you'll even see it against Indiana or. Or even Nebraska this weekend. I mean, I think Nebraska is a really good team, and um, you know, it might, maybe the record doesn't show, and they have a new coach and everything. But um, I think I think if Rutgers really really wants to win, then they're going to have to kind of kind of get into his bag of tricks to kind of to kind of pull something out. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, I know Sean Gleason has taken a lot of heat over the past few weeks for how predictable the offense has been. You guys have asked questions at the press conferences after the games about this. It doesn't seem like it's changing though. It seems like we're still, we're still lining up in very predictable sets. We're doing a lot of QB shuffling around. Like anytime you see young blood back there, anytime you see Johnny Langan, you know, it's just a run up the gut. Why do you think they're insisting on running these predictable plays where the the expected value of the play is so low? Like, th- there's no way Johnny Langan is going to run for, you know, a 70-yard breakaway touchdown against Ohio State. Not that that's expected, but there's such a low ceiling on these play calls. It, it makes no fucking sense, honestly, in my opinion. I don't know if the Shiano's hands in the, the offensive playbook or if, like, what's going on. This is Gleason's playbook. End of the day, it's just it's getting ridiculous. Like you put Langan at quarterback, he's running it. You put Youngblood at Wildcat quarterback, he's running it. You put Wimsett at quarterback, he's running it. Hell, you put Vendrill at quarterback, it's a fucking <laughs> run play up the middle. It's like the only person that might pass the ball is Simon, and he can't even get that ball down the field sometimes because no one's open. So maybe it's a product of the wide receivers just not getting open at the end of the day. But something's got to give. Maybe you you got to swap someone out. You can't convince me that all these receivers can't get open. Like some like. Sean Ryan obviously got open on that nice touchdown. That was yep. beautiful. Where was he the rest of the game? MIA. Um, Aaron Kirkshank really wasn't a, a weapon at all, and he's supposed to be this weapon, whether it's end around. Use him as an end around guy. Like, they didn't even use him yeah. much yeah. this year with him. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. This offense is so stagnant, vanilla. It's boring. It's blah. It's, it's, I hate to say it's typical Rutgers offense from the past couple of years, uh, even before Shiano was here. It's just not – there's nothing to it. I know maybe you don't have your starting quarterback, or you could argue maybe Simon is your starting quarterback at this point. Yeah. But uh, it's you got to do something. Like something's got to give eventually. Get get creative. Get tricky. What happened to Gleason being this super creative, like X's and O's type of guy? I don't know. Yeah. Rant over. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rutgers needs needs guys to get open down the field, and she, and and Sean Gleason has to be the guy to kind of to kind of scheme that to get a you know maybe maybe you know. Shami Jones, for example, isn't the fastest guy, but you can you can make him run a certain route, uh, and other guys can run their s- certain routes. So he can you know find a spot in the middle of the field somewhere that that's open. So uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, the one thing that didn't make a lot of sense to me was having Noah come in and run four plays. He started the game, but like yeah, I, I didn't see a point of that. Um, you know, I thought Simon should have just 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 played and ran with it. Uh, you know, play intended there, but. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with the giant Langan runs uh, and the and the young blood runs. I mean, they're trying something to move the ball, um, but it, the one thing that didn't make sense to me was Noah coming in. Um, you know, he's a six year guy. He's hurt. Um, obviously, he, you know, if he's if he's gonna come in and just run the ball in the middle for no gain, I, I didn't see a point of, of that. And it, and it seems like yeah, that, especially because sorry, and it, no, and it, just, it, it, seems, it seems like that. You know, once he's fully healthy, that he's gonna he's gonna be, be back and playing. It's, um, you know, his you know, I feel I feel like they should you know have Evan Simon and and, and Wimsett get get more carries, more snaps because they're gonna be the guys, you know, here in the future, you know, run the offense and everything. So, um, it it doesn't really make sense to have Noah come back and actually play. And when he does, he's only he's only run the ball for now. Yeah, he came back. He started the game. He took what four snaps. He tapped his helmet to, to come out of the game. Like it looked like he might have reaggravated an injury, and then we didn't mm-hmm. see him again for the rest of the day. So, I hope that he didn't further aggravate whatever injury he's dealing with, because that would be just a colossal 
mess up on the staff's part to play a guy who's not 100% against one of the best teams in the country when it it seemed like they were, and I don't know this to be true, but a lot of guys who we weren't talking about being banged up didn't play on Saturday, especially in the secondary. So maybe that was a kind of a surrender punt kind of way of looking at injuries, like longer beam's not 100%, why why bother? Desig Benusen's not 100%. He was obviously missed last week too. Mm. Let's not bother. Uh, you know, Shaquan Loyal isn't 100%. Let's not bother. So we did have a lot of guys in the secondary out. Um, but I, I just that that's the kind of game where as long as you don't get you know 78 zeroed and you can get out of there without injury, that's kind of the best you could hope for in year three of a huge rebuild like this. So. I don't know. I hope Noah's all right, and I hope that this didn't affect his timeline because while I don't think his ceiling's necessarily at a high, we haven't really seen what he could do around with this refactor offensive line this year. So I, I would like to see at least a little bit of Noah running the offense uh, to his, the best of his abilities. Yeah. I did want to talk about the, the defense a bit. Um, what do you guys think the the, the primary issue with is with these? Ohio State receivers just running buckwild. These Ohio or Iowa tight ends running buckwild. It seems like we have guys streaking down the field at all levels and all positions, wide open, constantly in the secondary. It seems like we have some good players in the secondary, but there's guys just wide open all the time. What do you think the, the cause of that is? Well, I mean, for starters, like uh, in terms of tight end, that's that's linebacker coverage for the most part, and it's mm-hmm. just there. It's a, not a deep linebacker unit, obviously. Uh, Jennings did okay. He actually did pretty solid. Uh, Tyreen Powell actually struggled a little bit. And I, I think at the end of the day, there's still a talent gap. Like, Tyreen Powell might be a pretty damn good Rutgers linebacker, but he's not an Ohio State linebacker good or, like, a Michigan linebacker good. Like, end of the day, they need people there. There's no pass rush either. So the guys are getting million seconds in the pocket, whether it be C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord, I guess. Kind of mostly just did handoffs at the end. But um, there's just no, there's no pass rush from this defensive line that's supposed to be pretty experienced, supposed to be pretty deep. Um, Keontae Hamilton obviously got banged up a little bit, came back in, but he, he wasn't doing much. Um, Ahana too, Maije, like there's just not a whole lot going on with the D line group as a whole. Um, and then, like you said, the secondary was depleted a little bit because they were missing like some youngsters and loyal and longer beam, but uh, they're just not stepping up. Like Melton was supposed to be the best player on this team, in my opinion. And he's just not there this year for most, for the most part. Safeties, uh, Izzian's been solid up and down, I guess you could say, but he's even been exposed a couple of games, whether it early Boston college game. Um, he might've had 16 tackles last week versus Iowa, but this week he was nowhere to be found. And then uh, you lose Igbenosin, another starter. And then you got Kassan Abram out there. who's getting torched a little bit. And it's overall, it was just extreme. There's really no explanation. They're just talent gap. The guys aren't in right places at the right time. Maybe they're being too aggressive at times, and then there's no pass rush. End of the day, it's the trenches, trenches, trenches. I know it sounds like we're on repeat at this point, but if you don't win up front, you're not winning the game probably. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to mention, you know, that sometimes they can be too aggressive. You know, I, I, I think a lot of times, you know, Izzy comes on and comes on blitzes or, or they, or, or they blitz whoever. You know, maybe that leaves, you know, secondary on the island, but, um, you know, no matter what, these Ohio State receivers are probably going to get open because they're, they're too good and. You know, also, you know, Jackson Smith Najigba didn't even play, and you know, a lot yeah, of the nice. you know other receivers on the Ohio State were were getting wide open. So, um, but the one thing player that I mentioned was was Kasson Abraham in my uh, stock down post. Um, I'm a little surprised how kind of a shaky season he's had, just because he played extremely well last season. Um, he started this week only because you know Longerbeam was out, 
but yeah, I'm. I mean, he he got burned deep on a on a long touchdown. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised that he's not playing well. Uh, but yeah, other than that, the defensive line has to really you know step it up as season goes along. Um, they have the dudes to do it. They have you know what Channel says. They have ten guys that could play, so they have the numbers and they want to keep people fresh. But um, you know the guys just still aren't really getting the job done all too much. And uh, you know again, it's Ohio State. Maybe we're being too hard on the on the guys against playing Ohio State, but. I guess we'll see what happens, you know, next week and the and, and the weeks after when the when the talent gap, I guess, is is somewhat closer. Yeah, and there were two main positives that I wanted to talk about from this game. The first we already kind of discussed with Samuel Brown. I thought Sam Brown looked awesome in that game. Um, regularly, just breaking the first t- tackle or shedding the first contact. He had, you know, probably two or three runs of 15 yards plus. He's obviously not super fast. But he's huge. I remember the first time I saw him in a game this year, I was like, why is Willie Tyler lined up in the backfield? Because he's number 77 versus 27. I'm like, oh, my God, that's freaking Sam Brown. He is huge. Um, But I think, like you said, I think we may have found our bell cow running back moving forward. He was a highly rated recruit, four-star out of uh, LaSalle High School, I believe, in uh, the Philadelphia region. Um, He he wasn't an early enrollee, which is surprising to say because it's – basically a standard that you're enrolling early now. So he came in in the summer. So we hadn't heard too much from you guys about him, but uh, that was my first main positive. My second main positive, I thought we played really well in the red zone. We had a lot of, they had that one seven play stand where they got bailed out on a third down uh, pass interference on Deion Jennings. I think Deion Jennings or Braswell, Um, but we were regularly making CJ Stroud pretty uncomfortable in the red zone. Um, And then they scored on like fourth and goal on, you know, just a walk-in touchdown. Uh, just take either of those points that you guys want to talk about. Uh, those were the two main positives I saw from this game. Yeah, I, I know we said it off there, but I, I think Sam Brown, and you just mentioned it too, Sam Brown's got to be your go-to guy at this point. Um, you should have a pretty good um, rotation kind of going because you do have a speedster in Salam. Um, I, I hate to say it, but not, Monongai might be the odd man out. Like, he got blown up on a couple of uh, pass-blocking plays, and when you have a future of like a Salam guy who's that speedster and Brown who's just kind of like that power back that Rutgers has lacked for so many years, uh, it's going to be hard for him to see the field. I still think once Aaron Young's healthy, who um, I believe he did warm up. I don't know if he dressed or not. I got to double check on that. So I still think he's going to be factored in quite a bit as well. Um, I think those might be your three guys, and I think there's going to be an odd man out. And uh, if, if you're a Rutgers or a Rutgers fan or John Newman specifically, get Sam Brown to NIL deal now. Because you got to keep him for four years, at least. There he burned his red shirt, so three more, I guess, after this. Yeah, Sam, Sam Brown looked look really good. He had, what, over over 75 yards or around that number? Um, yep. You know, I did, I did the math, and I'm a young guy, and Salam had, like, f- like, five yards total, you know, at the end of the third quarter, and, and Sam Brown had, set, had over 70. So uh, he mm-hmm. played extremely well. Um, Again, this is an offensive line that's not great, but I actually thought the offensive line did a lot better in terms of run blocking in, in the second half, and that's when you know Brown started getting more carries and they got more push. So um, the the two kind of went hand to hand. But yeah, I agree. I think I think Sam Brown should get should get more carries. You know, maybe next week in the in the game in the game after or so. So um, yeah, I mean, like Mike mentioned, you know, he he enrolled in June, so I think he played basketball in high school. Um, so you know, he was he was there for that, and then he came in the summer. Um, so that kind of, 
maybe, you know, kind of put him down the pecking order. You know, you had Yamanunga in front of him. At this point, you had even Jameer Ray Collins was that running back to start, you know, to start training camp. He's that he's a linebacker now. But, um, yeah, yeah, Sam, Sam Brown's definitely coming on. And uh, I know you talked about, you know, the red zone defense. I actually thought the red zone defense was, was very good as well. Um, and like I said, they took him a bunch of times to score, um, you know, in that I think it was like third quarter at that point when they had, you know, seven plays down inside the five or so. Um, you know, the defense, the defense hung tough. I mean, despite the score, they were there, you know, everyone played tough until the end. And I think that maybe this was like really the first time that anybody's really hit CJ Stroud. And he kind of made him uncomfortable a little bit. And uh, even Shannon alluded to that, you know, at, at his uh, post-game press conference as well. So um, if Rutgers can be able to, you know, make quarterbacks uncomfortable, it, it goes a long way in terms of the secondary, being up to cover guys and maybe, you know, intercepting or deflecting passes or anything like that. So um, if, if anybody's really can get, you know, make a quarterback uncomfortable, it, it only helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's not really much positive to kind of taking this game, just trying to look for the, the little rays of light that happened on uh, Saturday. And we have a huge game this Friday against Nebraska, so obviously traveling back from Ohio State on a short week isn't ideal. Um, Nebraska, we're going to go into further in-depth this uh, this week at some point. We, we're trying to uh, we're trying to get a pretty big guest this week for the pod, so stay tuned to your podcast feed because I think you guys are going to like who we are going to get. Oh, we um, confirmed it too. You just sent me a message. It's good to go. All right, perfect. So we have a we have a very special guest. Um, probably Wednesday for you guys for the pod. I'll put it out Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned to your podcast feed for that. Let's talk a little recruiting though. Um, you started to kind of see some names pop up about who's going to be there on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you expect a pretty big turnout for this uh, Nebraska game? Yes and no. So it's Friday night. Most uh, high schools are probably playing their games on Friday night. So they're probably not going to make it. But there are a couple names already confirmed coming up from Florida. Uh, three Canadian guys, but they're playing our high school ball down in uh, Florida at Jackson High School in Miami. Uh, Ty Clean Lumen, Ty Cool Hill Lumen, Junior Mensamama. Mensama? I don't know if I got that right. But two, two of the coolest names I think I've ever had to deal with other than, like, <laughs> in recruiting. I think still Wild Goose might still be my favorite one of all time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, both guys have Rutgers offers. Rutgers offered them not too long ago, uh, sometime this summer. And, uh, I mean, they're coming up, and they're, they're Canadian guys, so it's not too far from home to play at Rutgers. It's, uh, both of them have a bunch of SEC offers, a bunch of Power 5 offers, so they're, they're big-name kids. I expect the list to keep growing for the most part. I do think um, there are some schools that play on Saturday, so you'll get lucky with some of those kids. Like, the, uh, I think St. Joe's plays a Big North plays a lot of Saturday games. Um, so maybe a couple St. Joe's guys show up. Um, I'm sure you'll get a couple of your commits, whoever's not playing, whether that be Stone, who's been at every game so far, Jasir Peterson, who's been on campus 122 times at this point. Um, there, I do, I did talk to a couple people. They are still reaching out to a couple of like, I don't want to call them no-name quarterbacks, but there are a couple quarterbacks out there in 2023 that they're still like keeping tabs on. Uh, Torres out of Dante Torres out of. Uh, St. Anthony's in New York, they're keeping an eye on. Um, he's got a couple offers, nothing big. I think it's like Stony Brook, New Hampshire, Buffalo, something like that. There's another kid down in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina area they're keeping an eye on. I'll, I'll have all the names posted on the board this week. Uh, I just got to put it all together. But, um, yeah, overall recruiting's kind of weird. There's a there's a Jersey kid, too, that um, I, I'm hearing wants to transfer back home. Now, mind you, he hasn't entered the portal yet, but he's probably going to enter the portal. 
no one's reached out to him because that would be tampering and don't, don't even like speculate with that one. Um, but I know he's just not happy in his uh, Power 5 location, so you can kind of go do the math there. Um, but a yeah, potential quarterback option for Rutgers this offseason, and uh, it's going to be interesting. They're going to hit the portal pretty hard, and I think you have to, whether that be O-line, receiver, quarterback, every single offensive position. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of so – people are kind of talking on the boards about, like, you know, what we should look for in the portal this uh, this this winter, and I've started to come up with, like, a – a wish list of guys who are either playing at like a lower level or uh, and playing really well, or guys who I just think would make sense based on like ties to the area. So stay tuned to that. It's gonna it's gonna be a pretty huge post. Um, I already got like two pages just on quarterbacks alone. So be working on that later today. Uh, they need a quarterback. Uh, I think they do. I think yeah. it's pretty obvious we do, but we'll see if they actually go after a quarterback. Um, yeah, you can't rock with two. Yeah. Like it's just not a thing. Yeah. Like I don't care portal, not portal. You you bring in a body at the very least. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be pretty important to, to get a quarterback, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Because I don't think Wimsad or Simon have shown enough to just really put faith in them moving forward. I think Simon's clearly been better, but Simon's still young too. Like we forget that he's what he's nineteen or twenty. He's in his yeah. Third year in the program, third, I mean, yeah. his third career start this Saturday. So, yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, so we kind of hit on a lot. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to, to hit on before we sign off? Chris, you go first. Yeah, I, I just have one thing. So I actually, you know, I, I'm sure you'll you'll talk about it with you know in 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 your Nebraska preview, you know, later on. But I actually did watch most of the Nebraska Indiana game last week. And uh, brutal. You know, the one thing that really stood out to me was obviously Nebraska. It's a home game, and all, all its fans are, you know, insane, and they're all still there despite all the coaching changes. And I thought, you know, the whole team and the coaching staff had so much energy. Like, it, like he was high. You know, new coach Mickey Joseph, I think his name was. You know, he was he was high fiving dudes all over the place. He was fist pumping, jumping, everything. You know, it seemed like. Everybody really wanted to play for him. Obviously, you know they got the win over Indiana. They still have a lot of a lot of really good players on that team, and uh, I, I I think I think I think it's definitely still a win a winnable game. Uh, but I think Nebraska has some kind of like newfound energy, newfound life that I think it could be it could be it could be you know definitely dangerous for Rutgers still, and uh, I think it definitely won't be easy for sure. Yeah, I mean that's pretty accurate there. Um got a couple of things so uh hoops media day is next week for men's women's is this thursday uh we'll be at both uh obviously we'll have a bunch of new stuff on that obviously everyone wants to talk about antonio chol who's jerry carino's uh prophet as you want to call him <laughs> um <laughs> no but uh he's, he's apparently pretty good we'll get a chance to see him in practice and uh talk to pike a little bit about his development um, also, I want to give a shout-out to Scarlet New Yorker 2006. I hate to be that guy, but uh, I don't think I'm ever going to have to rock that Mets, that Mets hat that you wanted me to rock. So that's a shame. <laughs> like, oh, Sorry, I had to do it, but uh, oh, yikes. I hate to be a Mets fan. Right, Chris? We're a Yankee fan, so I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I hope, I hope, I hope Judge hits his homer soon, man. I don't know. I did. I'm tired of it. I'm t- I just hit the I know. I, I, kinda, I, like, I, haven't actually, I haven't actually watched any games the past couple of days. I've, just, I've been watching it because – Every college football game puts it on, and it's like Jesus. What? It's like, so, yeah. <laughs> why do we glorify you know hit, hitting the sixty-second home run, which is the American League record? 
There's somebody who has 73 home runs in a season. Why do we give a shit if a guy oh, hits his 62nd? That doesn't count. 73 has got an asterisk. So does like Barry yeah, Bonds or uh, Sosa, Dude, do you think that people still aren't juicing? They're just... No, these never. designer drugs, they just tweak them a little bit so they can't be detected. Like, they're, there's, yeah, Aaron probably. Judge is definitely on something. Ah, uh, no, no, never, never, yeah, passed, dude, never failed. 6'7, like 250. He's strong as, strong as hell. Just, just give him a meatball at this point. Like, it's over. Just give it I to know. him. But like, why do we care? It's not a, re it's not like the, the major league, re like, seriously, like, is it just everybody at ESPN who runs their, like, sports media department? Is, are they just Yankees fans? Like, why do we cut into, like, all these games just to show Aaron Judge? It, it, it baffles me that they're making this big of a deal about him going after 62. I mean, I, I don't know about the ESPN stuff. I don't really watch ESPN, to be honest. So I don't oh, really know about that side. But I think it just has to do with, like, you know, with it being the Yankees. And obviously, you know, I watch the, I watch the Yes Network, and they make a big deal out of it. So I mean, Yankees Twitter and everything like that. So, I mean, it still, it still is a big deal. I mean, still, it's still the American League record. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe it's not you know, you know, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, or something, but um, you know, those guys are obviously cheating and everything. So, I mean, it's definitely a big deal. I don't know. <laughs> Mike, you sound you sound like, like a salty Phillies fan. Am I, am I right? No, am I, I just think it's like insane. Like everybody <laughs> is pissed off about this on Twitter, and I agree. Like, would we cut in like every time we don't the Packers cut in for the, the president? Like. Half the time, like he had, he had an address last weekend. We didn't cut like college football. That's like, what I mean. Like, if we're not cutting in for the president, why are we cutting in for Aaron Judge coming up seven zero in the bottom of the eighth? You know, in a meaningless game, essentially. Like, you wouldn't Whoa. cut in if if Aaron Orioles if Aaron Rodgers was about to set like the NFC record for touchdowns because he's in the red zone. Like, it's it just true. doesn't. I don't know. I think it's stupid, but I don't know. Talk That's just yeah. It is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. That's it. That's all. That's all I got for today. I'm done. That was a good ending. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you tuning in once again for another episode of the Night Report Podcast. Keep uh, your eyes on the feed this week because I think you guys are going to like the next episode. We're going to do a basketball preview uh, soon because you guys, yep. Antonio Chole wasn't actually uh, on the team when you, when you previously no. saw them, right? So that's nope. going to be pretty uh, interesting to get your guys' opinion because it sounds like I don't think Jerry Carino would necessarily guess him up unless it was it was legit and he said he was the second best player on the floor for the practice he went to uh second only to cliff so i'm really excited to hear more about the basketball team from you guys but once again we appreciate you guys tuning in this has been another edition of the night report podcast signing off Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.